Now, speaking of communication, and this is a, and this is one of the things that I find so marvelous about today. Now, you know, there was a time where if you did a phone interview with someone, it, even if they weren't that far away, it sounded like you were on different planets. Now you can speak to someone in a place like Mogadishu online, and it is like they're next door. It is that part of it to me is remarkable. It's difficult to overstate how difficult the situation is right now in Somalia. Uh, the country is in the Horn of Africa on the Indian Ocean coast. It's suffering through its worst drought in 40 years, combined with years of political instability. There is a group called Al-Shabaab there that has been fighting, Al-Qaeda link group that's been fighting the government for a long time now. The UN estimates that more than 1.7 million Somalis in a country of just over 16 million people have been uprooted from their homes in the, in the past year alone due to the food crisis and fighting involving that group Al-Shabaab, the Islamist militant group. Half the population of 16 million is coping with severe food insecurity, which essentially means on the border of famine. And that could climb quickly if more aid is not delivered early in 2023. They're hoping it will rain when the next rainy season comes around this spring. It did not rain for the, I think, the third or fourth time in a row just now. The rainy season has just ended. 1.5 million people in the country under the age of five, almost half of those under the age of five, are severely malnourished. And the government, of course, lacks the money and the capacity to tackle such a devastating combination of challenges. And that means international aid organizations, of course, on the ground there are key. And that's where my next guest comes in. She's a Canadian living and working in Mogadishu uh, with the World Food Program. You can imagine uh, the challenges that that, that work involves um, and just what your average workday must be like when you're trying to sort of combat so many of these challenges, or at least help combat so many of these challenges. To find out more about it, Laura Turner joins me now from Mogadishu. She is the World Food Program's Deputy Country Director for Somalia. Thank you for your time. Thanks so much for having me. So for, for our listeners who've never been, uh, what is it like in Mogadishu right now? What's, what, is, what is the atmosphere and, and even what's the temperature like? Well, uh, first of all, we're on the equator. So the temperature ranges between 29 and 32 degrees every day. But that's not what you're alluding to. The spirits are high in Mogadishu. In fact, today there was a parade put on by the government because they are finally turning the tide against uh, non-state actors like uh, Al-Shabaab. And the population is thrilled that they can see that uh, there's a, a corner to be turned um, in the very near future. And it directly relates to the, the food crisis. That, that the World Food Program is addressing right now because it's actually three-pronged. It's driven by drought, but also very much driven by conflict as well as lack of, of uh, social assistance that the government can provide because the government systems are quite weak at the moment. And so if we can take one of those three pillars away from, from what's driving the humanitarian needs uh, and if the conflict is uh, abated, then it's, uh, it's a good thing for everybody. Yeah, because last I spoke about Somalia on the program, things were looking pretty dire. Those three prongs, all three of them were in bad shape. Certainly the drought yeah. had continued. What, what is the situation with the drought there now and how? what kind of impact did it have in 2022 and what are we looking at in 2023? Unfortunately, the drought is the, the, the one factor that we can't control and it's also the one that doesn't look very promising at the moment. Um, we have just completed what, we term the rainy season. Uh, so rains come in cycles twice a year uh, in Somalia, and they were supposed to happen between October and December traditionally by climate trends. And, and we really didn't see anything. So that's the fifth 
rainy season that has failed. And now we're in a dry period, a traditional dry period. And if everything turns and, and gets better, then the rain should start again in April. So if we miss yet another rains, that means that we'll probably see more displacement, definitely more conflict because it's affecting natural resources. And my work will continue to be quite intense. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, five in a row, one gets one must start to think, wow, I wonder if it's ever going to come back the way it once was. Well, in fact, that's exactly where we're spending all of our time. So I have a dual role. It's a life-saving and life-changing, as we like to say. And right. the life-saving has taken all of our efforts um, recently. We have been on the brink of formal famine for months and months, and it's still just around the corner. We've managed to avoid it. We're thrilled, but things aren't improving. In fact, they're getting worse. The longer term prospects of building up household resilience, government institutions, um, sustainable water harvesting, ways that we can help Somalia, because I think their new normal is not what it was five or 10 years ago. And so we need to change the way that we support them. And, and we're doing that with big institutions like the World Bank and, and others who have the, the capital to, to invest in those kinds of institutions. Because this is all intertwined, right? The conflict, the famine, the drought, I mean, obviously the drought and the famine, but the conflict as well. I mean, this is all, we long talked about countries being destabilized by the lack Correct. of resources. And here we're seeing it to unfold in front of us. Yeah, we've been um, very happy that the, the world has has taken notice of Somalia. And we know that, uh, especially in Europe, um, they're taken over by events uh, in Ukraine, as, as you're probably aware. <laughs> Even with all of the unprecedented support that we've received, um, still, we, we know that uh, famine is a very real possibility this year and that longer term sustainable hunger solutions like food systems and government social safety nets uh, will be the solution for populations and national institutions that uh, need to be empowered to resist the recurrent climate shocks and, and build up those mitigation measures that Somalia is on the front line of climate change. And what we're seeing there is exacerbated by drought and, and conflict, but it's definitely playing out before our eyes. How does it look on the ground? I mean, you were in Mogadishu. I think most listeners will probably have never been, maybe have read about it, seen pictures of, yeah. of Somalia, but probably have never been to a place like Mogadishu. What does that look like on the ground? Mogadishu is magical, actually. It's a old port um, dating back to the spice trade years, and it has an unprecedented coastline, um, maybe not to the extent that Canada does, but certainly in, in the continent of Africa. The population, despite generations of, of being downtrodden, have a real zeal for life. They are thrilled to have opportunities. And whenever we approach them with ideas around community strengthening and supporting them in their own efforts to make sure that they can sustain themselves, they've always embraced those possibilities. So it's, it's actually quite heartening to work with the Somalis. Yeah. How about the security situation? Are you able to get around? Uh, the security situation ebbs and flows. At the moment, it's a little bit more dicey than you would normally expect. Um, insecurity remains a challenge. It's no coincidence that some of the highest rates of hunger in this near famine-like situation are in the hardest to reach areas. And those are the areas where the conflict is playing out between the national forces and, and Al-Shabaab. 
uh, WFP, the World Food Program, and some of our UN and, and non-governmental partners, we're, we're pushing into those areas because those are the populations that we're most concerned about. They're cut off from assistance and they're cut off from government um, social services like health facilities and education um, facilities. It's not easy to get there. And um, we have to take a lot of precautions, um, including armed escorts. Right. And I imagine for them too, those are the same people who displace, right? Those are the ones, if they're, if they're caught without uh, behind lines, without access to much, that's when you pack up and go, I would imagine. That's precisely the case. Um, many of those populations that are in the conflict areas are, are in conflict areas precisely because they're agriculturally rich lands. And that's where anyone who is looking for some stability, that, that's where the natural resources are. And so they're caught in between um, the front lines. And uh, when they have the opportunity to leave, they're, they're the first to leave. Unfortunately, they've lost almost all of their assets. So we hope that the rains return and we hope that the conflict debates. But um, what they will be returning to is probably a fraction of what they are fleeing at the moment, unfortunately. Laura Turner is the World Food Program's Deputy Director for Somalia. She's speaking to us tonight from Mogadishu. Uh, Laura, when, you know, you mentioned it earlier, and we, we talked about it last, you know, there were, because of the war in Ukraine, uh, we've seen there's certainly a very dire humanitarian situation unfolding in Afghanistan. Yemen continues. Um, Syria, there are many out there. It is always difficult these days, I know, to capture attention when you have a crisis on your hand. How has the world community been responding to what's been going on in Somalia, both in 2022? And what does it look like when you look ahead to 2023? Well, some people have called this the invisible famine. It doesn't get um, as much coverage as many of the other disasters that you've just listed. Um, And that's understandable. There are domestic concerns across the globe uh, and other crises that also require the world's attention. And this is a slow burn crisis. We're in year three of a drought. Uh, And so obviously um, you can't look at it every day the way that I do um, being here in Mogadishu. What we can say is truly it's an unprecedented crisis and and the world's generosity and support has been extraordinary, which allows me to be here to help almost 8 million people every month. That's 50% of the population of Somalia that's been affected, either displaced, goes hungry, or is suffering from, from malnutrition. And we're particularly concerned about the kids under five who don't intake enough uh, vitamins, minerals, and, and just kilocalories um, suffer cognitive uh, deficit for the rest of their lives. And so, um, yeah, we're working as hard as we can, but you're right. There's a lot of other things that are happening globally, and we're just grateful for the support we've received so far. Yeah, there's a lot. Of five, is it 5 million children in need of humanitarian assistance in 2022? It's a huge portion of the population right under the age of 20. Mm-hmm. Correct. When you look at, at sort of where we're lacking, uh, what, what more you would need, obviously, you know, the, a, a bit more stability, a bit more ability of the, of the government uh, to function on its own territory would be a big help. But what else do you need this year? Because, I, I mean, I think back to when I was young in Ethiopia and we said, you know, never again. We're never going to let that happen again. And here we are watching it to some extent yeah. unfold again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, There have been some calls for wealthy countries to compensate uh, countries such as Somalia that are are really feeling the impacts of climate change. Well, I'm not sure that that's the approach that that should be taken. But what I do think we could all do is to, to, to assist countries like Somalia and definitely learn from some of their experiences around how we can complement life-saving work with longer-term investments to change lives. 
And uh, the more that we can learn from other countries, I think the more the, the Somali population would be assisted in the longer term. Yeah, and in your case, you must hold out hope that this will improve. You couldn't possibly do the work if you didn't, right? We definitely keep our fingers crossed that the goodwill um, holds out, obviously. We are really on the brink of famine. You may remember 10 years ago, 2011, there was an exceptional famine where almost a quarter of a million people died uh, over the space of a summer. We're looking at mortality rates that have exceeded that. But because it's over a period of two and a half or three years, um, it doesn't have the same same impact on, on the world's population. But, but yet, actually, the toll that's taking place is, is much worse. As you mentioned, it's been a slow burn crisis over several several missed rainy seasons, right? And, and the next one in April, I suppose we can only keep our fingers crossed that it will, in fact, rain this time. We hope that it will rain without a doubt. I would love to invest more time in water harvesting. That's the resource that's lacking in Somalia right now. And we know that this is not the last drought that they will be facing. So my job right now is to focus on how we can help those families and those communities so that when they're facing the same thing in a few years, they'll be more resilient and stronger for it. Well, Laura Turner, thank you so much for your time. Uh, Good luck with uh, the, the monumental task that you face each and every day. I appreciate it. Thank you for your time.